the Radix Ecological Sustainability Center just received a grant to continue its Renewable Mediation for River Regeneration Project from the New York State Environmental Protection Fund, New York State DEC Hudson River Estuary Program. To talk about this and what else is happening at the Radix, I'm now joined by Scott Kellogg and Karina Marino. Welcome back to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Thank you. Thank you. So congratulations on the grant. And I'm looking forward to seeing more floating islands in the Hudson River. So for our listeners who are new to this project, could you give a brief overview? Sure. So this is the second round of funding that we received from New York State's DC's Hudson River Estuary Program. And what it's enabled us to do is a number of things is to really connect our Ecojustice Associate Youth Program to work in the Hudson River along Albany's shoreline. And that's consisted of a number of different parts. We have uh, built a solar powered pontoon boat that enables us to get out onto the river, particularly with folks who may not be comfortable being in a canoe or a kayak and improve their access to the river. We've also been in the process of building what we call artificial floating wetlands which are, well, the name kind of sums it up. They are artificial floating wetlands. They are floating devices that have native water plants attached to them whose roots grow down into the water column. And we anchor them near sewer overflow pipes with the idea being that when sewage enters the water, the microorganisms living on the roots of the plant will eat the sewage while the plants themselves uptake nutrients out of the water. At the same time, they're creating habitat for a number of different creatures like birds and eels and turtles who uh, otherwise don't have a lot of niches, a lot of places to live along the giant concrete wall that is most of Albany's shoreline. And the new component that we're really excited to add as well that's going to be funded by this, this current round of funding is purchasing a number of folding kayaks that we're going to use with our Eco-Justice Associate youth program where youth will be able to carry these uh, lightweight folding kayaks down to Island Creek Park, which is the only point of public access to the Hudson River in Albany South End, and be able to have a close uh, relationship with the river that way to actually go out into little kayaking trips and to uh, be visiting the floating wetlands and help maintain them while the solar pontoon boat is, um, is watching nearby. With all of this really being intended to create more of a sense of, of connection and reciprocity and care between particularly youth and the river, which access to is, is extremely limited in Albany because of the presence of Interstate 77 and the train tracks that have all but cut everybody off from the river. So with that park being one of the only access points and it being right next to one of those sewage overflow areas, has there been more access points for the residents of Albany? Will there be more access? What is the kind of the history of people having access to the river been like? Well, I mean, deep history, right? The Mohican people who are the indigenous people of this land uh, lived here, whose their, their name means people of the river that flows both direction, had a very close relationship with the estuary, right? For the, the sustenance that it provided estuaries among the most biologically productive ecosystems on the planet. And that was a relationship that existed for thousands of years prior to settler, the beginning of settler colonialism. And 
you know, during that period, during the ramp of industrialization in the 19th century, the, the river was pretty much treated as an open sewer. Uh, and you, you had it all sorts of uh, industrial waste products being dumped into it. This really culminating in the mid 20th century with a general electric plant in Fort Edward, Hudson Falls, disposing tons and tons of PCBs into the river. And we were still dealing with that legacy of contamination to this day. So it's it, at least, you know, in in the times of, of settler colonialism, the idea of, of the Hudson uh, having recreational or, or ecological value, at least around Albany, is, is kind of a relatively new concept, as it previously was, was treated very poorly. So there, there is, of course, a recognition now that a city's waterfront is one of its greatest assets. And... Um, yeah, that building interstates and, and industrial infrastructure to cut people off from it is, is undesirable. However, uh, you know, at this point, what's done is done. So the question is, how do we regenerate around the edges? How do we reconnect? So there is a lot of interest in in trying to figure out how to create more connectivity to the river, which is tricky to do right when you're dealing with highways and train tracks, which, which aren't owned by the municipality, right? So the city could decide that it wants to improve its, its citizens' access to it, yet you're dealing with uh, the Department of Transportation that regulates the interstates and, um, and CSA, CSX train tracks, right, which are owned by private corporations that have a lot of power and a lot of influence. So it's, it's sort of tricky to do. But a big part of our work, though, is, is understanding that the first step in getting anybody to care about something is to bring them to it. And to bring residents, and particularly youth, down to the river and say to them, yeah, well, there's still more work to, to be done here. But, you know, it's actually gotten a lot better in the, in the past 30 years. And I think it's very encouraging for people to know that, that it's almost like we can if we just stop doing bad things to the river, it has a lot of capacity to to heal itself, to regenerate itself. But, um, you know, an interesting question is, are there ways that we could actually intervene using low-cost and affordable methods and, and biological allies that could um, speed up that process of healing and regeneration, at the same time building more of a sense of, of connectivity and, and, and relationship between people and the, this waterway. I have so many more questions, but I want to leave room for the CSA, which is, uh, or for the farm share, the Radix farm share that is also being offered right now. And Karina, could you talk about the program and um, really the importance of supporting area farms through programs such as these? So we have a CSA-like farm share, we call it, a traditional CSA, stands for Community Supporting Agriculture. What we do is similar, but people, they have the option to pay at the end of the month instead of a traditional CSA, which people pay at the beginning of the year. It's about a 32-week program, and people get a small or large bag of produce grown here at Radix uh, each week. So we have herbs, fruits and veggies, uh, eggs when our chickens are laying. So for someone who might not spend time on gardening, how is this a way to kind of connect them to the importance of this uh, regenerative work you're doing? It's our hope that people who sign up for the farm share are local to Albany, which benefits us because they can actually come here and see the farm. We do have a pickup option. So on Wednesdays from three to seven, 
they can come here and actually pick up the farm share so they can see uh, how we have it set up here, what we're growing, uh, and the other projects we have going on here. So that's that's a nice way to connect to the community too. And what's what can someone expect by being a part of it? In the spring, it's it's we have a lot of greens, radishes, pea shoots, microgreens, lettuce, spinach, you know, kind of those cold hardy crops. Getting more into June, May and June, we have, you know, beets, uh, Swiss chard, kale, uh, kind of getting into more of the summer stuff. We start to get tomatoes in July, uh, cabbages. Uh, last year, we had a lot of fennel, a lot of scallions, onions. Um, and then we kind of go into the fall with, you know, more greens and some hardier stuff like squashes, uh, garlic and carrots, uh, crops like that, that kind of can last a little bit longer. So for listeners who are interested in participating in the farm share or supporting Radix in other ways, what's the best way to get more information? Um, our website is updated for the farm share page and also our Instagram is a great resource and our Facebook to connect and, you know, via e- by email, uh, which is Corinna at RadicCenter.org or produce at RadicCenter.org is a great way to get in touch. Well, thank you so much, Scott and Karina, for joining me on Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Would you like to leave our listeners with anything? If anybody's interested in coming out and checking out the Radix Center, we're going to be having uh, South End Earth Day on April 20th, which is looking to be a, a whole neighborhood event. So that's a, a great opportunity to come down and help clean up some gardens and meet some folks and do some networking. So, uh, yeah, we hope to see you then. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.